Did you actually remember to hit record this time? It is now recording. <laughs> I've got the mic in in your face. That's we perfect. We should be as ready to go as ever. And look at you looking all summer summered out. It's like I I said I was going to go down to my basement to freeze and you're like <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm like man, yeah, I, wish I wish I could yeah, I wish I could trade you, but the uh, the basement is, it's so cold in our basement. Like, we have AC, so it's been running most of the day, it's, especially because it's been pretty humid here today. Yeah. But um, we, uh, yeah, it's, the basement gets so cold. It just gets blasted with it, but that's something I can whine about, I suppose, or I could just accept it well, and see. be grateful that I have AC. Yeah. Now I've got the windows open down here, too, because it still stinks from oh, water yeah. down here so it probably doesn't help but there's been hot air coming through the windows all day yeah that uh that's rough but none, none of your stuff in your podcast corner got ruined no thankfully i mean the carpet was wet but yeah i mean everything's off the ground and yeah so yeah it's not yeah it wasn't like inches of water on the floor it was just wet mm. kind of everywhere so been there been there like we we had that problem a couple springs in a row and then uh this year we i guess it was last summer we took care of it and then this spring was the first spring in a few years that we didn't end up with water in our basement so i was like oh thank you especially because like i was worried we were gonna have to do like some kind of foundation repair or whatever we just ended up regrading the side of our house and putting some rock gardens down to kind of keep it from washing away and this spring it worked anyway. Maybe we just got lucky. I don't know. I don't know. But um, anyway, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Uh, my name is David. My friend today and always and forever is Aaron. Oh, Hello. that's Ooh. special. I've never Was heard that. Like that ro- never heard that greeting before. Yeah. Well, it just kind of you know. <laughs> it's almost. It's, val- it's like nine months until Valentine's Day. It's so special. So, so close. You know, Actually, I just it is figured- almost. <laughs> Yesterday it was almost, June 14th, so... Oh, yeah, July almost August. nine months. I thought for a second there you are saying it's almost Valentine's Day. I was going to say, um, sir, Eight months you're until confused. Valentine's Day. <laughs> there it is. Uh, the countdown is on. But I was going to say, maybe, you know, we're covering a band today that's very poetic and just, like, in-depth with their lyrics, so I thought I would go a little overboard with my with my greeting and, you know, make it a little more poetic or well, something. Let's do it. Man, you should let's always try it. to do a greeting based off of the band... <laughs> you know, it might get a little tricky. Yeah, there's there's a couple podcasts out there. Like specifically, I'm thinking Blink 155 and Jimmy Eat Pod. Uh, by the way, Jimmy Eat Pod, if you want to go join our Discord, they've got a channel in there as well. If you want to come hang out, talk music and stuff, it's a good time. Uh, hit up GrowingPunkPod.com. We've got we got the link right there. Anyway, they like they like to start each episode off with some just like long winding road to get to a pun. <laughs> uh and, and and i mean the it's not even so much a pun as it is they just try to figure out a way to say the title of said song by telling some you know ridiculous story or what have you and uh so it's it's always it's always good fun but i don't think i'm going to do that with uh with our episodes going forward you know coming up with some crazy um idea of a of an intro but I did have a little bit. Of, maybe this isn't a crazy idea. We were just talking about this briefly before hitting record. But thinking about maybe streaming, live streaming some of our uh, 
some of our shows as we record on Twitch. So if you're a Twitch user, let us know if you think that would be something that you would actually tune in for. I don't know if it would be beneficial or not, because anytime I watch someone stream on Twitch, I know Aaron's like, I have no idea what Twitch even is. Um, I know what it is. I've just never used it or that's watched it unless it's posted <laughs> on YouTube. So Yeah, and I... Uh, I didn't watch it for the longest time because I just assumed it was people just streaming like while they played video games sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And I was like, it. It, and I think that's how the platform got started, but I do know there's, you know, a number of, you mentioned YouTube, a number of YouTubers, even that kind of live stream and uh, whether it's content that eventually goes up on YouTube or it's just something entirely different, it can be kind of fun to sit and watch. But I also know it's like, typically they're, a lot of it is interacting with the people who are watching like through yeah. the chats and stuff like that. And so I don't know what that would look like in regards to uh, recording a podcast, but um, if it ever, if we ever did it and it got, you know, busy enough on there, we would then just make the podcast entirely, the entire listening experience for the podcast would be listening to us talk to people who are texting us and <laughs> who the are chat. questioning our <laughs> thoughts on the bands that we love. Right. There you there go. Our bands. The- nobody else gets to say. Speaking of the bands that we love, this time around we're talking about a band that both of us love, or at least like. Um, there's no this this episode. There's no like trying to figure out if we like this band. There's no here's some select songs to help you get into this band. This is just us talking about a band that we like. We're gonna talk about thrice. So, do you remember? I guess the the first time you heard thrice. Yeah, and I think we touched on this on our hopeless slash subsidy episode, right? Um, because I had mentioned um, a thrice album, uh, the illusion of safety, and uh, yeah, I can't remember if I told the story on there, but yeah, I think it was MP3.com where I originally saw their name and then found their CD the next time I was in in a city, and and uh yeah i just remember them standing out as something different and unique but something i knew i would love and uh yeah have have liked them ever since i think you know it's funny because i i think i can remember i can remember the person who recommended thrice to me do you remember the band your bleeding heart oh yeah of course yeah so the bass player in that band josh josh yeah. Yeah, yeah he he worked at hmv at one point. So for those of you who aren't Canadian, that was it was a music store up here. I think it was also a music store like in the UK as well. But um you know, like it doesn't exist anymore, which is a little bit of a bummer. That yeah. used to be like the only reason to go to the mall was to go to HMV. Uh but anyway, he worked at at the closest HMV to me and I can remember going in one time and he was telling me about these two bands. I don't remember what I was buying, but the two bands he recommended were Thrice, and I'll never forget the way he said this, Alex is on fire. <laughs> well, he is. <laughs> he is. But, so he, I he think was we recommending... were all a bit confused about that when yeah. they first oh, came out. So. 100%. So it's he okay, was recommending, recommending Alexis on fire and Thrice. And uh, I think like that day, maybe I came home with Alexis on fire, and then Thrice was just sort of in my mind, and eventually I did go and end up picking up an album. And, uh, you know, became a fan. And so, yeah, I, I, did you ever get the chance to see them live? I say get the chance as if they don't exist as a band anymore when that's clearly not the case. But have you ever seen them live? Yeah, a few times. I was trying to think. Um, just this week, the last time 
I saw them live. But the one that stands out was uh, Taste of Chaos. Um, I think I've maybe mentioned this lineup in a, in a different episode, but yeah, it was like Azalea Dying, Atreyu, Thursday, Thrice, um, I think Story of the Year, Deftones. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a crazy lineup at an arena yeah. in Saskatoon, and I got to watch. I got to watch them from the side stage, right. and I just kind of watched. Um, uh, Riley, the the drummer, kind of the whole time, and yeah, it was just really standout experience. I think I did see them another time or two in kind of a smaller club show, maybe years later. Um, I can't remember which year that was, but that's definitely the standout time. Yeah, I still haven't had the opportunity to see them. I remember that oh, Taste really? of Chaos. Yeah, the Taste wow. of Chaos tour. I didn't go to it. I do remember hearing about it. I could. It, it's possible that maybe I saw them on Warp Tour one year, and you know, there's just so many bands that you see, and you know, I don't know if it was at the. It's possible that at the time I wasn't as into them, so I didn't really. It's not ingrained in my brain. I do remember one time. I want to say, maybe it would have been they would have been touring like the Alchemy Index records, which we'll obviously get to talking about, but where. I heard after the show happened that they come. So there was a few years, like about five years where I lived, like the closest show to me was going to be, you know, two and a half hours away or sort of thing. Right. And so I kind of, you know, stopped following what was going on with bands and whatever. And I just remember someone telling me that, Oh, thrice had just played Calgary, like literally a few days prior to that or whatever. And I was like, ah, that's a show I would have gone for, but but I, I didn't. And I, and I haven't. So, um, I thought Hopefully. they did a tour with me without you and Brand New. That or is that a different show that I'm thinking of? I mean, I went and saw Me Without You open for Brand New. Uh, oh, okay, that was a separate at, thing. Okay, I was to say at least the leg of that tour. I don't, I don't know if there was a tour that was that lineup. The leg of that tour that I saw, there was no thrice oh, okay. wasn't on it. I would have lost. That would have been. I mean, I went mainly for Me Without You for that specific show. But if Thrice was on that bill too, would have been good times. I wouldn't have. Went, it's funny because that show when they announced it, it sold out in Edmonton real quick. And it was just all, it was just brand new was coming and it sold out. And I was like, well, that sucks. And then they announced their opener after, you know, it it had already sold out in Edmonton. And I was like, oh, but I really want to see me without you. So now this double sucks. Cause I kind of like hummed and hawed about getting tickets in the first place. I was able to get tickets for the show down in Calgary, but I can guarantee you this, had it been announced that it was, say it was like a co-headlining brand new and thrice tour, I would have instantly bought tickets in Edmonton. I wouldn't have even thought twice about it. But anyway, so yeah, I have not, outside of you know some footage online, I have not seen them live. But um, So yeah, their first record, full length anyways, I think they had maybe an EP and probably some other random releases, uh, was Identity Crisis, came out in June of the year 2000. Anytime I hear the year 2000, were you ever a fan of Conan O'Brien? Like, <laughs> year 2000. Yes. <laughs> Year 2000. Yes. Yeah, what a weird with, little bit. Who, I think it was with Sting, I want to say. I, like, I'm sure he did it multiple times, but there's, I had yeah. a, um, a Conan O'Brien. It was like a 10th anniversary like special thing that he did, and yeah. so he had a bunch of random clips on there too. But anytime, the year 2000, that's what I immediately go to. But So yeah. in, in June of 2000, Identity Crisis was released on Green Flag Records and then re-released the following year on Subsidy, which you just mentioned, a branch of Hopeless Records. Um, and the closing track, T and C, uh, was actually featured on their self-released EP, First Impressions, that came out uh, prior to that. So 
this is a record that I personally haven't listened to very often. I've checked it out kind of purely just out of curiosity yeah. uh, to hear, you know, what the band sounded like in those early days. It's pretty consistent with the style that, you know, the next few records would have and would share a little more raw maybe in production. Yeah, it definitely and maybe, was. Maybe a little more rooted in hardcore punk, but uh, similar nonetheless. Um, so have you, have you spent much time with that record in the past? Yeah, I was just I was just trying because I knew there was something with a phoenix. I can so the, yeah, the second song, Phoenix Ignition. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know it super well, but I've probably listened through it. I mean, ten, fifteen times over the years, um, because when I first when I got, I think the illusion of safety that I went back to this one. I might actually yeah. even have it on on CD. Um, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, you can tell they're still kind of trying to find their their groove a bit, but. I mean, for for a young band, it's definitely a good you know first full length release. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it like I said, I like I've kind of gone to it and, and maybe in a similar fashion where when I first heard the band, it's like, oh, they've got other stuff out already. I should check it out. And uh, yeah, I was listening to it earlier today, and I was kind of like, man, I, I sort of just want to leave this one on, but. Um, you know, I had other things going on, and I had to I had to move through the library a little mm. bit. So it's definitely one where you can hear, especially what was going to be you know the the next couple of records. You can you can hear that, yeah, and the and the raw potential and talent that was there, and what was kind of setting them apart. But uh, I should say before we move on, so we we haven't picked songs from every album, um, so we didn't pick a song from Identity Crisis, and. We, I ended up picking a few different songs that maybe wouldn't initially be my picks, but when you sent your picks in, I was like, oh, we're literally picking off yeah. the same few <laughs> albums. So I'm like, let's spread this out a little bit. Uh, so we will get into some more picks, but the the next record that they would release was The Illusion of Safety, second full length released in February of 2002. So about a year after or so that Identity Crisis was on subsidy, about two years after it was originally released, but uh, so this one was on Subsidy, and uh, it was recorded with Brian McTurnan. And if you want to hear Brian talk about uh, some thrice, specifically this record, uh, you can go find our episode with him on it from last year. Uh, he had some he had some pretty neat things to say yeah. about the two thrice records in um, like in conjunction with two Strike Anywhere records. It's kind of neat. So you can yeah. go you can go look that up. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts and stuff. But uh, this album was received pretty well critically with reviews applauding the polished mix of melodic hardcore heavily influenced by emotive hardcore uh, and punk. The album was widely praised for its buzzsaw guitar riffs, lyrical depth, and uh, and I was going to say strong structure. (laughs) Song structure. (laughs) Strong structure. Yeah, it's it's a really good (laughs) vacuum. It's got strong structure. Song structure. So... Why don't you share a little bit about this record in particular? Because I know this made one of your it made your hopeless records list, so you can kind of maybe quickly recap your relationship with this album. Yeah, well, I think for me this you know, I think the next album is is better than this one, but this one, I don't know, to me is kind of you know, it still has enough of that rawness to it. You know, it's very high energy. I love how it has those different influence, you know, from hardcore punk. Um a mode of hardcore punk, right? So it's not it's not hardcore punk like, you know, when I think of, you know, like Stretch Armstrong or something, you know, right. you, there definitely is that a part to it, you know, more similar to kind of post-hardcore kind of stuff. 
And uh, yeah, there's I don't know. There's just so much good to take away from this. Like you said, lyrically and song structures and um, just the way the songs kind of flow together. Yeah, it's one of those albums that every time I go back to, I almost find something new about it. Or it's like, oh, I forgot that song is on here. Because they do have quite a big catalog. And I typically would probably go to Artists in the Ambulance. So every time I do go back to this, it's like, right, I need to make sure. Um, I, I just had this on my um, Listen to This playlist on my Spotify, where I kind of put albums that I want to revisit. And yeah. Uh, yeah, just listened to it not too long ago. And yeah, it just was like, man, this is so good, you know, especially for a band that, you know, was just starting to grow. And you can see why they blew up from that album, especially at sure. that time period. I think I think I shared this story when you shared your story with this record on that on that hopeless episode, um, but it's it's a record that I kind of bought by accident because so without jumping too far ahead, I got into Thrice when the artist in the ambulance was out right, and then they released Visu, and I knew about this new record, but I hadn't really like especially at that time. You know, the internet wasn't as much of your everyday life at that point in time as it is now, especially for, you know, you mentioned mp3.com and yeah, there are websites, but now I mean, like I I pull my phone out anytime I want to listen to music and it's all right there. Right. So I hadn't really, I just knew they had new music, hadn't really taken a look at the artwork and stuff like that. And so, um, when I went to the store to pick up a new thrice record, I ended up coming home with this one. And, uh, so it's kind of funny because I only owned it by accident and I was listening to it going because I think I'd maybe heard Image of the Invisible and I was listening to this record going, I don't recognize any of these songs, but I know I heard one. Mm. Like they re- they released one at a time. And then so I kind of started looking going, oh, this is the record before. And I think maybe as well I had seen the artwork and heard the name at some point. So I was familiar with it. And when I saw it, I went, yeah, that's the new one, but clearly wasn't. You know, as far as this album's concerned, it's not one of my regular thrice picks, but I do enjoy it. In fact, I kind of almost surprise myself each time I put it on. Like, it's pretty similar in sound to Artists in the Ambulance as far as, like, stylistically what they're doing, but still yet a little more on that raw side. You know, yeah. like the, the band was definitely growing heading into this. Um And I think maybe more of the metal influences come through on this record with just some of the riffs. And maybe that's just production-wise how it's cutting through a little bit more than you know maybe it does on the next record. But um, so you picked a song off this record, which is the song "Deadbolt."
It's a song about a person having an affair, knowing that it's wrong, but they still can't quit. And uh, in the narrative, like the the protagonist or the main character's spouse is whether I don't know if it's you know autobiographical on Dustin's part or not, but uh, the main character's spouse is calling for them, telling them that the water is poison, but they just can't quit, right? Like they they know it's destructive, but they can't stop and. Uh, for me, musically, it absolutely hammers you with riffs from the opening hit of the snare straight into the intro riff and the verse. It's full speed ahead, and it's structurally interesting to me because there's no one part that really repeats on this song. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. I don't know if I picked yeah. up on that. Like, you can say that the lines where Dustin's singing, stolen water is sweet, so let's drink it in the darkness if you know what I mean. Right. You could you could say that's the chorus, but even then, because he, he kind of repeats that section of lines twice right like he says it and then says it again right away but that's the only time it's even sung in the song um they never come back to it and there's not a whole lot of time wasted in this song either like like i said that snare hit starts the song and there's kind of i think if i recall there's a bit of like an intro riff sort of thing that plays before he starts singing but i feel like pretty much from there on it just kind of goes through the song and uh there is a music video for this song that's a perfect time capsule of the scene at that time. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, so this was your pick. What was uh, what is it about this song that kind of made your list overall? Well, it's just instantly the song that comes to mind when I think of this album, and I'm sure it's like that for many. You know, I I'm assuming they probably even maybe still play this song live. Um, you know, especially now that a lot of their catalog is you know maybe a bit slower or more dynamic than some of these first albums. And, uh, yeah, again, it just kind of has all the elements of thrice. Like I can put this song on and it's like, okay, this is, you know, that album. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't know that's what the song was about lyrically. So it's cool to just kind of get some of that context. I don't know if in the video it has this, but on the, on the the song, it ends with a, like a piano outro. Yes, that's right. Which is like kind of. When I when I was listening to it this week, the first time when it came to it, I was like, "Oh, did it like switch to a different song or something?" <laughs> and I, I didn't really, you know, I had just kind of forgot that was there. And I'm interested to know why it's on that song. Like, it's such a full force song, and then to kind of end with that, it yeah. kind of throws me off a bit. Like, it's cool. It's a very you know contrast, but at the same time, it's like, oh, at the end of that song, I almost just want like another thrashing song. It kind of like pulls me back to this weird like lull almost. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to see if I can find uh, all I can find are piano tabs for it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just the dramatic music of the of the scene of the lyrics playing out or something. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. I was seeing. I was trying to see if it uh, how thrice changed music forever by being themselves. That's quite the. Anyway, I was trying to see if there was anywhere, like, I just quickly Googled to see if, if, if it gets brought up anywhere, because, yeah, I didn't see why, like, if there was a, a reason for that, because it is very, and it's not like it's just, like, you know how some songs will do a thing where they'll end, I'm trying to think, there's a song that's coming to mind in particular, but I can't quite put my finger on it right now, but where, when it ends, they might just all of a sudden, like, throw a piano in sort of thing, or, like, an acoustic guitar that kind right. of fades out or whatever, whereas this, it almost becomes its own separate piece, like you said, like, you thought, did it switch to another song? Like, what's the deal here? Because it's this whole, I don't know how long it is in Long total, enough to feel like, is this a different song? Like, you know, yeah, 30 seconds sure. at least? Or... Yeah, yeah, it, it is kind of neat, but... um I mean, maybe in a way it also showed, like, 
on identity crisis as well i think it's maybe the second song there's uh like an acoustic guitar and singing intro that's like whoa you know it kind of maybe shows you that as a band they weren't just necessarily putting themselves in that like pigeonholing themselves or whatever as it's got to be loud fast and heavy right yeah. like they were showing that there are some bits because obviously in the future those 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 parts of the band would become even more of a regular thing for them but um yeah it, it is kind of interesting for sure but uh the artist in the ambulance was the next record which i mean that's i think for a lot of people the record it's which I mean, maybe that's not fair to say. They're a band that's been around long enough that maybe, you know, they for sure have fans that have come in two or maybe three albums after that, right? Like, yeah, oh, for um, sure. But so, so this was released in July of 2003 on Island Records. Uh, it was once again recorded with Brian McTurnan. And it also marked the jump from an independent label. They were on Subsidy, which was part of Hopeless, to Island Records, which is a major label. And... Uh, this record is considered to be one of the big records to come out in the early 2000s post-hardcore scene. In fact, uh, New Music Exchange listed this record as uh, one of 20 emo albums that have resolutely stood the test of time. Uh, I mean, sure, I guess. <laughs> you know, this is a classic album. I won't argue with that. That's just like... I wouldn't that. call it emo, but I guess... I mean, well, so that's that's the on, like, the forever debate, right? Is yeah. that, uh, I mean... Here, it, I, I mean, I guess this is maybe the simplest way to break this down. You would you would confidently say Thrice is a post-hardcore band, yeah? Like, they're not a straight-up hardcore band. They're not a straight-up hardcore punk band, right? Like, they're, yeah. they're a post-hardcore band. It is what it is. But post-hardcore also then has, you know, kind of more sub-genres, which emo is one of them. Yeah, so that's fair. It's this whole thing where – but it, it is one of those one of those things where I would, yeah, I would kind of agree. I'm like, I don't know if I would call this one – you know, an emo album, kind of similarly to when we were talking about Legwagon with Jed and how, was it Let's Talk About Feelings, ended up on pop punk Rolling list. Stone's pop punk list. And it was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'd... Like, sure, they have some elements, but they're really a skate punk band. But those all are falling under, you know, yeah, the same right. umbrella. But uh, but it is quite a, quite a headline or quite a list anyways. 20 emo albums that have resolutely stood the test of time. I kind of want to look that up. But, uh, it's and probably the heaviest album on that list. Yeah, it could be. I'm interested. I'm interested to see what's on it, and I might go down that rabbit hole right away. But apparently, there was a bit of tension between Dustin and uh, so Dustin Kensrue and Brian McTurney when it came to lyrics, as he was writing most of the lyrics in the studio. And uh, whenever Brian felt that Dustin could come up with something better, he let him know, which was, hmm. you know, I, I which I think was probably a positive in the end but at the same point like i guess it was weighing on him a little bit but so this is the record that really introduced me to thrice um and it's one of my all-time favorite records i think too like i want to say a couple years ago one of those facebook challenge things came up where it was like list your 10 favorite records no explanation or whatever and this one was on the list for myself but it's funny because i was hesitant with this record and this band at first um, so when I first heard it, I kind of went, I was really into bands like Thursday and, uh, you know, like the used and stuff like that at that time. And so, you know, they were kind of all a part of that, but thrice, especially with this record and the first couple records were typically faster and harder than those bands. Yeah. So I was initially like, ah, I don't know if that's what I'm looking for. I was looking for more of that 
quiet, loud dynamic that you know bands like like Thursday and and the Used and stuff like that were maybe more well known for. Um, so it kind of initially caught me off guard, but in time, I I absolutely fell in love with it. Like I said, it's now one of my favorites. So, um, do you? So was sorry. Was this the first Thrice record you were into, or was uh, Illusion of Safety the first one that you got? Yeah, into? Illusion of Safety was the first. So a few uh, fun little things about this album. Without this album, I might not even know you or be a part of the show because this yeah, is I, yeah the was, album yeah. that I got introduced to you in the podcast you were doing previously uh, yeah. because our friend Todd was on talking about it and he'd posted about it and it was frustrating because he didn't know anything about this album <laughs> and so that's why I was like oh I gotta I gotta message this David guy and like talk about this because it's like yeah. eating away at me hearing. Hearing, <laughs> hearing a friend be like, "Oh yeah, actually, I thought we were talking about a different album, but we're talking Which about is, this one." And <laughs> so that's funny because I, I have that in a note later because he told me he has a he has a, a different Thrice album that he does absolutely love. Yeah. Um. So it was funny. I don't remember how how I got him to talk about that record. Like, I think it just came up. I don't know if I asked him like, "Hey, you want to come on and talk about Thrice?" And immediately in my mind, this was the record I wanted to talk about, and I just assumed that it would be the record that he wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um. And and in the end, I guess it that that wasn't true. But you're right. This is, um, this is basically this this podcast isn't at least it's not the way it is now without this record, which is kind of weird to say. So, and it's weird that it's taken us, I guess, this long to come around to it <laughs> yeah yeah there was also a number of years ago i was on a like a work road trip and so i was sitting in the van and and uh so i had messaged a bunch of friends just saying if you could have written one album you know that you love what would it be and uh, so then i was going through my ipod and being like okay hey, if there was one record that i wish i would have wrote and written or been a part of and this is the one that stood out. I kept going back to it. I listened to it a few times, and every time I was like, "Man, like, there's just so much good about this album. It's almost hard to know, kind of how to kind of put it all in. Like, it, you know, brings together the punk and hardcore and emotive everything from the first album, but it's way more polished. You know, it's you know more mainstream sounding, but it's still heavy and riffy. And um, I still remember the first time I heard it, uh, a friend got it and. Uh, so he had it playing in his car, and I think maybe even the first song he played was "Artist in the Ambulance," and I just remember being like, oh, "Like this is just so good, you know? It's so different than I would have expected, you know." And then as I got more into the album, realized, okay, there's still a lot of, you know, heavy moments here, and I don't know, it, there's just so much good to it. Every time I go back to it, I'm just like, "This, there's just something so special about this album." Yeah, this record made me realize that. Like, so I mentioned bands like Thursday and The Used and stuff, and they all wrote great songs. And Thursday, I think, was more ambiguous, maybe, in their their poetry. Like, I know, if I recall, like, the guys in Thursday, a lot of them, if not all of them, were like, you know, they went to art school and stuff like that, right? So they were definitely a little more poetic and metaphorical maybe in their lyrics whereas when thrice rolled around in this kind of you know post-hardcore explosion that was happening at that time i was like listening to the lyrics going oh there's something here that's making me think a little more than just being 
emotional, as it were, right? right? I mean, you can get emotional about all sorts of different things. It's not necessarily relationship emotional. I don't want to, like, pigeonhole those bands and saying that's all they ever wrote about. Because I Thursday, for sure, I know that's not the case. But, um, but yeah, so this, this record kind of really introduced me. And even to this day, listening to it, kind of like picking up on lines that Dustin sings and stuff like that, that kind of... Uh, surprise me a little bit or what have you but so the first song that was we, we could have easily picked multiple songs off this record yeah and so we did we went with two uh the first one being under a killing moon song was released on a split seven inch with thursday and their song for the workforce drowning and it starts off you know kind of chugging away on guitar before the whole band comes in it's heavy it's fantastic i think heavier than the music though i was just talking about the lyrics the content of this song uh it's about the church and atrocities committed on innocent people more specifically this song is about the salem witch killings uh, but it's something that could very easily kind of be used as, you know, if you want to use the Salem witch killings as a metaphor or just the content of the song as a metaphor for any number of atrocities that 
unfortunately the church has committed over the years and you know brings up to mind recently you know something that's been in the news in Canada with uh, and we talked about this with Jed shortly but um, just with the the residential schools and the you know the remains of children that were discovered and whatever so it's kind of really bubbled back up and I and a lot of that has been brought up or brought to the front with a lot of that was you know the role that the church played in that and so to hear him sing about this and to just have that kind of be fresh at the top of my head, especially so like the lyric where he says, don't flinch, uh, don't flinch when innocents are dancing with the flame. If they wanted to live, they'd learn to play the game. And, you know, it's like just thinking about how that's just a mindset sometimes of people, not necessarily to be killing people, but like, Hey, my way is the way, right? Like in your, and your way is, wrong or a mess or what have you right and it's it it can be pretty pretty hard but um what made you what made you pick this song well i i was i was listening to the album it's like i I don't i mean the first song's awesome don't necessarily want to pick the first one i think this is number two on there Mm -hmm. and just yeah as soon as it comes in with that chugging and those hits and that snare roll and the song comes in i was just like man this is just so good love it so many elements of the song stands out i mean i love you know i again i didn't necessarily know the background of the song but i've always just loved every time he just screams that watch the witches burn yes like it's just yeah. like so like gritty and heavy and every time i hear that i'm kind of like oh, i wonder like what is you know is that literal witches or what's he kind of talking about and i just never um you know went and researched that but mm-hmm. yeah just so much to this song yeah like you said we could have picked a lot of songs off of this album you know this one's, you know, maybe a bit more straightforward than some of the other ones that are a bit more dynamic on this album, which again we could have picked and talked about. But I mean, I I love the ripping thrice. This is, you know, what what I want to listen to on this yeah. album, and so that's what I went with. I was I was thinking about this earlier today. You brought up the line where he said, "Like watch the witches burn," and I was like, if there's like one word, I I. I mean, I guess maybe in a meme sort of way, like Tom DeLonge, obviously, with the way he would say head, you know, the joke about being a voice inside my yed or whatever, right? Like, (laughs) things like that. But, like, with Dustin Kensrue, the way he says burn, because he actually does it in another song uh, that we're going to talk about, I was just like, oh, it just immediately gets stuck in my head, and it's like he pulls in my yed, and it's like he pulls it off so... I don't know what it is about it, just... Obviously, it's tied in with the music. And watch the witches burn, dun, dun, right? Like, as the guitars come back in or whatever. But um, it's almost just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's just his own thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 weird, but it's that literal word has jumped out from that song for me yeah. from day one. Something about the way he, he says it. But, uh, and then, it's like pretty said, intense. It really is. Uh, speaking of intense, maybe not as intense musically, but kind of a, an interesting, intense message. And I guess not as intense. Anyway, the next song we're going to talk about is The Artist in the Ambulance. Late night breaks, I cue the tires squeal. Red light can't stop, so I spin the wheel. My world goes black before I feel an angel. Lift me up and I open bloodshot eyes into fluorescent white. Flip the siren, hit the lights, close the doors, and I am gone. 
tire squeal Red light can't stop so I spin the wheel My world goes black before I feel an angel steal me of this song and obviously the record as well was taken from the book burn collector by al burian uh it's asking the question do artists have the responsibility responsibility to do more than just entertain Mm. which is a discussion and a thought that there's something about a band or an art you know even a solo artist whatever but there's something about a band that is committed to some kind of message or whatever that may be uh and they just stick to it and but they're but they're also not like you know taking every moment to shove something down your throat but to just be like no we're we could get up on stage and we could write songs and everyone could dance and have a good time that's great or we could use our platform to actually share what we think is important there's something about that that i think I've always appreciated and thrice is an excellent example of a band that has always, you know, done more than just entertain. Do their songs bang? Well, yes, they're fantastic songs, right? Are their songs catchy? Yes. This song is incredibly catchy, but they also do more than that because like proceeds from their records have always gone to different nonprofit organizations and their lyrics always presented, maybe not on every single song, but they would have songs on every record that presented topics that were larger, um, I think, a lot of times than maybe what their contemporaries were singing about. And maybe because their contemporaries were maybe a little more introspective lyrically, not to say that they're not covering... Like, Thursday always surprised me with what they were singing about and how they're they're a band that had a message. But I don't know if it was necessarily always as clear, it feels, as, you know, maybe Thrice was. And maybe I'm just missing, missing the point on that one, but... Um, I mean, look at Under a Killing Moon for an example here by Thrice in just like having something that they wanted to share. And that's tough. And, you know, as far as this song is concerned, if I ever make playlists and Thrice is on it, this is typically the song. Yeah. Um, It's, I don't know, it's a pop punk gem in the middle of a post hardcore diamond sort of thing. Right. Like, it's just so good. Um, I do find this interesting. If we jump back to the first song we discussed, which was Deadbolt, it's kind of funny because Dustin sings a line, I'm running red lights asleep at the wheel, the sirens feed my nightmare. And now in this song, he's singing late night breaks lock, hear the tires squeal, red light can't stop, so I spin the wheel. (laughs) So the question is, is it that he can't stop or that he won't stop? (laughs) But I mean, I don't, I'm going to ask you, I don't, I think I know the answer, but why did this song make your, make your list of thrice songs to pick? Yeah. Well, yeah, I pretty much, pretty much what you said there. You kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, what I love about it is that it's, it definitely stands out on the album. It's cool that the title track is, you know, different than the rest. There, there are definitely melodic moments 
throughout the album, but this one definitely stands out for that. And I like that they went with this. You know, it's still upbeat. It's still catchy. Like you said, it still has that punk feel. Um, you know, they could have, you know, broken it up with like an acoustic song or something like that, which just wouldn't have really, you know, added as much to the album. So, I, yeah, yeah, I just thought that was a really neat thing. And it, it's also a little bit risky maybe. It's like cases of the title track. You know, it's not as heavy as the rest, but it still, you know, has good depth to it. And, yeah, like it's super catchy. It'll get stuck in people's heads, people's yeds. So, I, <laughs> Um, yeah, just, yeah. yeah, song, like you said, you know, when you're making mixes, I've done the same, go and put this one, because I'm like, yeah, I love a lot of the other ones, but I know when this one comes on, and I'm going to be stoked, you're and I still am. Yeah. It blows my mind, as far as I could tell, that this song was not a single off of this record. Like, they had two singles that did fairly well on this record, and this was not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that, maybe... that does... But I mean, I guess part of that could be just as as we both kind of mentioned, like stylistically, it's a little different from the rest of yeah. of the record and what they were doing. But also, that feels like a great way to hook people even more, right? Like because it is such a catchy song. Uh, I'm sure the first time I went through this album, like I said, I was a little hesitant at first. I'm sure that when this song came on, I went, "Oh, I can dig this," you yeah. know, because it was it was that kind of you know more familiar sound at the time for me, but. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe they thought it was too much of a stretch back then. Like, obviously, maybe. they thought it was a good song because it's a mm-hmm. title track on the album. But maybe they yeah. didn't want it to be like, "Hey, if we make this a single, then you know, maybe that's what people are going to associate with our band." When right. you know, it was at that point at least, it was definitely more on the heavy side than yeah. you know the punk side. And so, I, I can kind of see both sides of that. Boy, were they about to throw a curveball though, as far yeah. as that sound is concerned. Why they um, got to do that? Why they? Because they they released another banger of a record, regardless. Uh, so Visu is the fourth album for the band, released in October of two thousand five, also on Island Records. And I won't lie, I definitely Googled. I've never known how to say the title of this record, uh, so I Googled it. Yeah. it's um, Hebrew. <laughs> Visu. Um, the record marks the first kind of shift in the band sound i think because i think at this up to this point they had really just kind of been polishing that early thrice sound you know and i i I think they artist the artist in the ambulance was that sound played to perfection for them if that makes sense but the the shift here i don't think it's drastic necessarily or i don't think it's as drastic as it felt at the time like listening to the albums now and maybe seeing where thrice would go you know, after this album, it doesn't feel like as drastic of a shift as For it sure. initially did. They do introduce more electronic elements to the mix. The band actually took a month off uh, to go back to write and experiment with new sounds. And a lot of the demos that they compiled uh, at a studio that they built in Guitarist Tepe's garage, I believe, uh, were more piano driven, which I find to be kind of interesting that, you know, like... The, the record itself obviously doesn't come across as more piano driven, but a lot of those early songs were. And when it came time to record, they wanted to find a producer who had less of a formula when it came to recording heavy rock music. So they moved on from Brian McTurnan to work with Steve Osborne, um, who had worked with bands like Doves and Placebo. Uh, I think, I guess, had worked with a lot of like British rock bands and electronic music, stuff like that, which was probably helped them in the in you know regards to introducing more of those electronic sounds that they were wanting to experiment with 
Uh, and the title of the record came from the book V, another book, man, by Thomas Pynchon, I think is how you say it. But anyway, uh, Dustin Kensrue just really liked the way the word sounded, which is funny to me. That it's Visu. I just like the way Visu sounds. Uh, but it's also the name of a gateway at the bottom of Mount Vesuvius to a bunch of mm. tunnels into the underworld. That's cool. So take from that whatever you will. But uh, um, yeah, do you remember kind of the first time hearing this record and sort of the, the shift that had gone on? Yes, um, because I was not stoked on it. Well, I actually, I think I heard from other people that it was different. Mm-hmm. So there's a few things here. I always find it intriguing when bands do this, and many that we've talked about have done this, where it's like they put out an album that's like, oh, okay, like this is thrice. You know, they you yeah. know, almost like you become this massive band, and then they make this big shift, and it's kind of yeah. like, okay, like, what happened in between there, you know? Like, did they just get, you know, in this in this instance, you know, on the tour cycle, where they were just like, okay, like, you know, this is too heavy for us, or we're getting lumped in with heavier bands, we want to be more of, you know, maybe a rock band, or, you know, just explore. So so I get that, you know, bands wanting to explore and whatever, and I guess, yeah, like I've said, just with my taste in music, and how I kind of take music in, or even create music, it all kind of comes from the same place. I'm not, you know, I don't have a whole bunch of these different influences and whatever, and even yeah. just the music I'm drawn to. So I don't know. I just always find it intriguing when such a big shift kind of happens, when it kind of seems like, oh, like you were, you know, you finally kind of reached the peak, but now you're not going, you know, down, but you're just going so different, you know. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, so people, yeah. So I had heard people say like, yeah, it's just not heavy anymore. Um, and at this time, like you know, 2005, was that when yeah, you said this came out? Uh, yeah, this is when like I was really getting into heavy stuff. I mean, metalcore was kind of exploding at this time with Asley dying yeah. and um, lots of bands like that. And so I think especially getting into heavier stuff and knowing this wasn't as heavy, I kind of just left it. But mm. I do remember coming back to it and thinking, oh, this isn't you know, that drastically different. Yes, it's different. It's missing some yeah. of the elements that I love. But it's yeah. not, you know, as drastic as some of the albums we'll talk about here. So I've actually enjoyed this album more over the last few years. Um, you know, one, just being able to listen to it for what it is now that time has gone on. And two, it's still it's still a good album with lots of elements, you know, that I loved about Thrice. Yeah, like, I, I think I find myself in a very similar way um in that when i when i first heard it i was it's interesting because like image of the invisible i don't know i feel like that was the first song i'd heard i think they did like something too where yeah it was like, i think so there was like an, a remix challenge or something so you could download all the elements of the song and you could you know it was like a contest type thing but so i think i remember hearing that it's really not that big of a shift, but then there's songs like, was it the earth will shake? I think, which is track three. Um, yeah, the earth will shake where they kind of like bring in the whole like chain gang sort of, uh, sound. And, you know, it's, I think it starts on acoustic guitar. Maybe I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but there were, there were different things that were going on where I was like, I don't know, you know, really what to think of this. And then over time, I, because of that, it wasn't a record that, I would routinely go back to with thrice, right? Like yeah. I would just go to the artist in the ambulance. And then actually I'd say in the last year, maybe two years, I was a, I found this, this album at a thrift store and I bought it. And then, so it would just be in my car or in the van or whatever, and just kind of like loop through 
to the point where I like I really enjoy this record because of the fact that it does. They did introduce a little more dynamic, a little more of the quiet, loud sort of stuff like that. I said that I was more into with bands like um, Thursday and stuff like that, like that kind of became a bit more of what they were doing. What I do find interesting is, according to the Wikipedia for this album, um, it says it peaked at number 24 on Billboard's mainstream rock chart and received highly positive reviews and is considered to be Thrice's best album. I don't know if I would agree with that necessarily. Um, But uh, but yeah, let's get let's get into the songs because we did pick a couple songs. I think this is actually this first song is the first song on this list that was like my pick (laughs) having said that i for sure would have picked the artist in the ambulance if you didn't pick it so um anyway so the first song is the opener image of the invisible
It's clearly quoting scripture, which is something Thrice had done, or I should say Dustin Kensrue had done quite regularly up to this point. Uh, I think musically, it still, as I mentioned, kind of stays pretty in line with what the band had been doing for most of their career at this point, but it wasn't a precursor to what the rest of the album would sound like, if that makes sense. Like, we've talked about some records where, you know, there's there's almost like different tiers or different, I don't know, labels for openers where, you know, you have the like the straight up banger that just like punches you and pushes you straight into the album. This is exactly what you're getting from start to finish. You got kind of like the lull where, where, you know, maybe it's a little slower of a start to go into something. Um, or you have the, you know, the start of the, the first, the opening song that doesn't really do anything similar to the rest of the record. And I wouldn't say that this is necessarily that case, but if someone had come from the artist in the ambulance or the illusion of safety, and they put this record on and the first thing they heard was image of the invisible, they're probably going to be like, Oh yeah, it's just more of thrice in my mind anyway. Um, and uh, like I said, they would kind of get into a little more different stuff, whether it was more electronic elements, piano, or even the, the chain, chain gang singing sort of stuff that would happen a couple songs later. Um, and I think lyrically, this song is absolutely an anthem. He's singing about how every single one of us has worth. And he was actually quoted as saying, this song lyrically sums up a major theme for the record and affirms that we are beings of unconditional worth regardless of what the world says we have to offer. Mm. It says that we have a choice in what we do and that everything we do matters. It says that because of this, we have a responsibility to look out for those who can't look out for themselves. And if you choose to believe these things, it will change everything about the way you live and the way you see the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Which... Which I think is incredible because, like I said, he is flat out quoting scripture in this song, uh, but he's also crafted it in a way where it's like, it's not about that necessarily. Like, if sure, if you're a Christian and you know that's your those are your beliefs, one hundred percent, you can interpret it that way. But it's also he didn't want to like put the band in a box, and I know they weren't all Christians anyway, right? Like, yeah, he was he was the main lyricist, but. Um, and, and so that's how that came out. But I just love the fact that he repeats the word we so often in this song to kind of really drive home that point. Uh, he says, we all were lost. Now we are found. No one can stop us or slow us down. We are all named and we are all known. We know that we'll never walk alone. Like yeah. just, he's like, let's get our, let's get, let's put everything aside. We all have worth and value. That's all that matters. Right. Um, and a little fun fact about this song, the Morse code heard at the beginning of the song is actually spelling out the album title. Yeah, that's really like, neat. And I guess it was played by, by Dustin Kensrew and they just thought it offered like a, a bit of a, an interesting syncopation with the song itself. So they kind of use that to bleed into it, but yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on image of the invisible? Yeah, like it definitely doesn't hit as hard as you know, like the the first song on the previous album. Yeah, it still has some of the some of the same elements. Uh, what I do miss is, you know, the just I guess the the style of guitar playing kind of shift along the album. It's not nearly as you know metal influenced. Right. Um, you know, the riffs are more kind of like maybe not uh, maybe darker, kind of uh, not doomy, but. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to explain they'll, it. Like they'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it's. Yeah. Just different influences. I guess is the is the main thing on this. And so I, I think it took me a while to kind of get into. It. I mean, yeah, it's a cool song overall. 
you know, it doesn't have the same kind of hooks that I love, but, um, yeah, like I was gonna say, I do love the, like the call and response on this song. Um, you know, when he says, yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Was it, we're more than, um, is it carbon and chemicals or whatever? Then we are the image of the invisible. Like I like the back and forth there. I, I get what you're saying about the guitar work though on this song, like that main kind of, you know, as the song comes in, like I think this song comes in with all sorts of energy considering it's just vocals and guitar that come in. But the way that guitar is being played, definitely more of a kind of, for me anyways, a straight up like post-hardcore sort of vibe versus the metal influence, right? Yeah. Like, um, but I don't know. I uh, When the chorus comes in and stuff, I'm like, it's it's the same old thrice at that point for me. Yeah, it's a powerful uh, song for sure, lyrically and yeah. musically. And so, yeah, it just hits differently, but still hits hard. Yeah. So the next song that we picked off this record uh, that was a pick of yours is Hold Fast Hope. So 
is another absolute banger of a track. It jumps in with Kendra singing, How Can You Be Sleeping? Waves Like Weapons Crash Over over Us. Cry for mercy and hold fast hope. And when, whenever he says, like, the hold fast hope lines, like, he just just drives them yeah. drives them home. And uh, interesting enough, I didn't realize this one, but it's actually a song retelling the story of Jonah and the whale from the Bible. Uh, so he's, he's diving more into Scripture again. It also finds inspiration, though, from the classic piece of literature, Moby Dick. Uh, and the way he screams, like I said, hold fast hope really kind of serves as a rallying cry when facing hardship. Like I can imagine hearing this song when just going through something that's absolute like heartbreak or, you know, just like, it feels like everything's done. Like you, you know, you know what I mean? Like just rock bottom and Dustin's in your ear screaming, no, like hold fast hope. Like do not give up. There is a light at the end of this tunnel. And uh, one thing I love about this song, when the instruments kind of die down for the bridge, yeah. it really reminds me of the Deftones. Uh, there's kind of just like some clean notes that are being picked, but then some like ethereal guitar kind of going on in the background. And then Dustin singing, you know, he's kind of reduced his vocals to almost like a whispered falsetto. And uh, then it just like comes back in and punches you right in the face, singing, find your faith and dive deep. Uh, through living gateways past, lined with death and ivory, and hold fast, hold fast. It's just ah, I <laughs> this is this is weird to say, but I want this song to come to mind the next time I am just feeling like absolute shit. <laughs> yeah, if that makes sense, right? Like just hearing this song is like yes, <laughs> sort of deal. But this was this was your pick. So what is it about? I mean, this song is an absolute like just in your face song from the get-go so why what was it about this song yeah you know as i was listening through this one just caught my attention because it's yeah like it's almost uncomfortable a little bit just kind of how um kind of gritty it is there you know like when it pulls back and then it comes you know full on with him screaming those lines like i don't know it was just something yeah it's not like there's no like really hook to this song it's not you know even catchy like uh, image of the invisible but uh, i mean yeah i'm partially drawn to it just because of of the energy and heaviness to it um yeah like it, it's different heavy it's not like heavy metal but it just yeah yeah kind of it's got this weight to it that kind of like intense. draws you in but yeah i mean yeah it's you know it's dark but it also has you know um that encouraging kind of underlying theme to it and so i don't know this what? one just stands out well, and when the like when he comes back in screaming after that quiet part, I don't know if you noticed this, but when I listen to this, I don't know if it's it. It sounds like the vocals there are taken from an entirely different take, hmm. almost as if those vocals came. And I couldn't find anything on this, but almost as if those vocals came from like a demo recording and were put in because at the end, especially when he's singing like hold fast, hold fast, you can hear his breath hitting the microphone as yeah. if he's like singing into like an SM 57 or something like a mic that doesn't really have much of a pop filter in front of it. And, you know, like they were just banging through some demos and because it, it's very raw, especially compared to the rest of the album and even the rest of that song, because once the song comes back in with them, um, I think there's a chorus or something that follows it the vocals then sound the same as before, right? Like, yeah. it's so it's just, it's, it's interesting. And I'd, I'd like to 
know. I wonder like what, what is going on there because, or was it just something, you know, they didn't post or whatever. And like this part's intense. Let's, how can we make it more intense? Right. right. So, but, uh, that leads us to the alchemy index, which was actually four EPs. They were originally released in October of 2007, the first two in April of 2008, the following two, um, two at a time they were released. I can't remember like if you could buy them separately or if you had to buy like volume one and two together and then three and four. Like I, I, anyway. Yeah. I, I feel like they are maybe together. Yeah. I, I, it's funny because I feel like I had seen them originally and they were separate. And then I saw them another time and it was volume one and two were together and then three and four were together. But that could be, I don't know. I might not, I could be remembering that wrong entirely, but the themes of the records were all tied together, representing the classical elements of fire, water, earth, and air. And that was everything from lyrics to music. Like it was, they, they went in and they had, you know, a picture and a mission and a goal and what they wanted to do with these records. Uh, And they saw the band kind of traveling further down that path, that evolution of sound, incorporating more electronic elements. And this is where I actually kind of disconnected from the band. Yeah. Um, there are some great songs on these records, but there was a lot of stuff that I just kind of wasn't really feeling. And it's funny because I, I remember a lot of people absolutely hyping these EPs up. And I don't know if part of that was, I mean, yeah, they were changing their sound a little bit further, but it, I wonder if part of that was like, oh, they were doing something different by releasing four EPs, you know, kind of, and they're all the- thematically connected. And, you know, so there's something there, but I could just never really get into these i have I've, I've gotten into them more as time has gone on but when they first came out it was kind of like okay where i stopped following thrice a little bit but um did you ever get into these ones uh not yeah not as much i had friends that were into it and again at this point it was like i don't really think i'm gonna like it i think it's a great idea you know having different kind of pieces of music where you can maybe have a bit more freedom to explore yeah um, you know, different sounds and different ways of songwriting. Because uh, I don't remember a ton of bands doing it at that time. I mean, kind of since then, there's been, you know, a few that have. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a neat way to you know, just either collaborate or just kind of, you know, shift the vision around. And I think maybe even at this time they were trying to figure out, like, okay, where do we go from here? You know, we're kind of done with, you know, the heavy thrice, you know, even though, um, Visu did have more softer moments on it, but I think with something like this, you know, I could see anyways how they'd be like, okay, let's let's do four EPs and kind of see maybe which one we connect with the most or see what people's reactions are and kind of have that as a gateway to, you know, really kind of expanding on their sound after this. It was just an informal poll. That's all it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all right, we are going to make the fans decide where we go but they don't know that they're going to be deciding where we go. Um, so that, that's kind of funny. I don't know. Did you hear that chime? Or was that just on my end? Uh, I don't Must think just so. Been on my end. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, it was like a notification on my computer that was very loud in my ears. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, I did pick a song off this record. I picked The Arsonist.
I picked this song for two reasons. One, I wanted to include a song off of these releases because I do think they play a pretty important role in kind of like the the career, the discography, the history of Thrice, however you want to put it. And two, I absolutely love the riffs in this song. Um, there's a riff that follows the first chorus that's very reminiscent of Be Quiet and Drive by the Deftones, which is interesting because I've now brought up Deftones on two songs in a row. And the first time I heard it, I was just like, oh, yeah, like, this is fantastic. And uh, when the instruments come back in after Dustin sings, I love this city enough that I'll set it ablaze, it makes me make a gnarly stank face because it's so heavy. And he's that's the other the other song where he starts, because I think he says, I'll watch it burn or something like that. Oh, yeah. And so he's saying burn again. And I was like, oh, and it just takes me back to Under a Killing Moon. And uh, so it's kind of this interesting sort of little uh full circle for me but um yeah did you have any thoughts on on this song because i know like i i put this one on there because like i said we had kind of initially were picking songs off the same couple of albums and i'm like right okay, we're gonna spread it out a little bit but so had yeah. you ever really given this one a listen before not not really and uh yeah i, I did enjoy this one i mean i don't know the deftones much so i don't know that reference but right. what i really heard on this song was project 86 which is okay. so not necessarily like the first three albums, not like the kind of like heavier hard rock rap core stuff, but yeah, there's just something in the way his vocal delivery, like, mm. and uh, just the guitar part. I don't know. It's just when I heard, it, I was like, oh, this, I could imagine this being like a Project 86 song of some kind. So yeah, I don't know. That's, that's cool. kind of a random, random reference, but every time I hear it, Every time I was listening to it, it was like, that's all I can hear now. And it's kind of bugging me, but it's also kind of cool because I can't imagine that was a band they were trying to sound <laughs> like by any means. Yeah. And so... Who knows? Who yeah. knows? It is interesting. I don't remember which record it was I was reading about, but there was um, a record where they did get comparisons, at least in the Wikipedia article. So I don't know where they were pulling these from, but they got comparisons to Blindside and P.O.D. with specific elements. Yeah, so, so not too far off then. No, and I don't know if that was on this record or not, but oh, okay. um, I did notice in like going through this playlist, just like the drastic shift in production Yes, from this song, from the song before it, and then obviously what comes after just sounds different anyway, but... <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, it's it's this weird sort of shift, right? Like, I don't know what was going on there. But speaking of what comes after it, Beggars was the seventh studio album released in August of 2009. This one on Vagrant Records. Uh, the writing and recording process for the Alchemy Index saw the band working separately. So uh, some of the members might have been working on one song while other members were working on another part for different songs, whatever. But with Beggars, the band actually got back together jamming and writing songs as a unit, uh, which is interesting that they I don't know what led to them writing the alchemy index like that but I guess it's what they did. Uh, this album is a concept album about the love, loss, and inequality of man and lyrically songs focus on things like marriage commitment, relationship breakdowns, and salvation. And discussing the album's title, Kensrue said this, he said, I think we are at most times deluded in thinking that we are totally responsible for our circumstances, but in the end, almost everything is beyond our control to a high degree, and we can't even be sure we will wake up tomorrow. Everything in life is a gift at its core. We are beggars all. And uh, as far as critical reception for this record, 
it was fairly well received, which I think to this point, like all of them have been, uh, getting comparisons to bands like Radiohead and Muse, which is interesting. Uh, so from Blindside and POD to Muse and Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that the Blindside and POD references actually come later. I can't remember. But um, but yeah, no, it's this record. I remember when it came out, I had a friend who was huge into Thrice, and he was so excited for this record and it came out, and I checked it out, and I went, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I kind of shared a little bit of that story because when, when Roger Camaro from No Motive was on for our Vagrant Records episode, this was one of his picks. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd said to him, I was like, I, I was never able to get into it, and it's still a record that I haven't really been able to get into, but it is one that the more, like almost with each time I listen to it, I gain more appreciation and understanding for it because as I mentioned earlier with thrice, there's just different things that you can discover each and every time. I feel like whether it's musically or lyrically, they're kind of a pretty dense band in that regard. And by dense, I don't mean like Duh, quit being dense, but just like they pack a lot of, they pack a lot of stuff in there. Right. Yeah. So, um, but were you, were you ever into this record? No. <laughs> no. all right so but, let's get into the <laughs> i i do love the title i love the the meaning behind it i remember reading that years ago and thinking that was really cool and kind of yeah. wanting to get into it i've got friends that love this album um yeah i think it was a good fit for them being on vagrant as it has more of that kind of you know indie sound that some of the yeah. bands on their head um yeah. yeah i mean i don't know any radiohead or muse music um Muse music. Muse music. But yeah, you know, it's, yeah, this one just wasn't for me, you know. And with the song, um, The Wait.
but I listened to it. It's like, okay, I like Dustin's vocals. That's kind of the only thing that really makes it thrice to me because the right. rest is just kind of like out of my comfort zone almost. <laughs> when yeah. it's on, I'm just like, ah, I don't even really like listening to this. It's interesting. Like the first time I heard that song, um, I was, I don't know, man. Like the syncopation on the drums really kind of, really changes the feel on that song because he's just hitting the snare on the upbeat right yeah and it's just like it's really kind of the first time i heard it i was like what's what's sort of happening here what am i where am i supposed to kind of move with this music um but then it does like on the chorus kind of open up and get a little more i guess simple um or straightforward, which is, and then it goes back to it. So it is, I can see kind of where, you know, like the, the comparisons to bands like Radiohead and Muse come from, because those are bands, especially Radiohead, who will, you know, mess with that sort of stuff, right? Uh, what I find interesting about this song is that he had been, Dustin had been working on lyrics for the album for two straight weeks, and he took a break, and he went and watched a movie. That movie was the Star Trek movie, oh, yeah. and it ins- it inspired him to write this song as well as Wood and Wire, another well, song on this record. That's why I don't so, like it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm a Star Wars fan, not a Star Trek fan, so yeah, I can't like it. No, uh, Lyrically, the song covers the commitment required for making a marriage last. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Uh, there's a lyric that says, because a ring don't mean nothing if you can't haul the weight, and some of them won't even try, but I won't leave you high and dry. Hmm. Um so again, like there, there are th- so many things I think with thrice to pick up, but th- like, this is still maybe the record that is overall the hardest for me to get into. Definitely the biggest shift for the band, as far as, you know, kind of what their sound was, um, this one, you know, you can talk about the band growing and making changes for Visu and changes for the Alchemy Index. And then this one was almost like, okay, I see that you guys are working towards this, you know, introducing more electronic elements. And then they almost like just take a 90 degree turn and going like, ah, actually, we want to be more of like an indie rock band. Yeah. Um, just... But I don't mind that. Like, I think it's it's definitely, you know, out of the library, It's 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 one that... I've got to be in more of a specific mood for, for sure. Yeah, but. it was just getting too stripped down for me. Like, it's like, ah, oh, I know they've got, you know, I mean, they're all such talented musicians. I'm not saying they didn't use talent on this album, but just what I what I love about Thrice just wasn't on this album, and so just didn't connect it's, with that, which is okay. It's Yeah, it's fine, and it's interesting because I'd have to go back and listen closely again, but I feel like anytime I really listen through it, I'm like, do they... I'd be curious to know if they really use any distortion pedals on this record right. versus like maybe an overdrive or just like, you know, cranking the crap out of their tubes sort of thing in their amps, right? Like just like overdriving things that way. It never really feels like they just like kick it in. And there could be moments that just aren't coming to mind right now, but um, it is definitely an interesting album. And it's funny because after we're done, it is the, the record where I go, I think I want to go listen to that just to kind of explore it a little bit more. I said this with Roger, that it's a record of theirs where I really have to kind of like remind myself, like go back and listen to it again, because for me, there could very well still be something there. Um, but their next record was major minor. It's the eighth studio album released in September of 2011, also on vagrant records. And uh, this record saw the band working with producer David Schiffman, 
who had been an engineer on Visu and a mixer on Beggars, so kind of getting back together with a buddy. And when he first heard the demos for this record, I love this, Schiffman thought the band was writing or wanting to record a grunge album, which I think is pretty interesting. And when you when you hear the record, I can kind of see where he was coming from. Um, but this is what uh, what they said. They said, with Beggars being a bit more of a stripped-down record, which you, you alluded to there, the band wanted Major Minor to sound a little bit bigger and hit a little harder. And so I think it was Dustin or Tepe, one of the two had mentioned, like, had said, like, hey, with these demos, we realized, like, we want, we, they wanted it to hit harder, so they really went in with that intention to be like, no, we want... It may sound like a grunge record, but that's not what we're wanting to make. And mm. they were pretty happy when it came out. And it's this is another album like Beggars that I need to spend more time with. Uh, kind of came out at a time. The main reason I feel for this one, in, in, as far as when I've gone in li- and listened to it, as to why it never stuck with me, is because I wasn't following the band so much at that time. Yeah. And what they were up to, right? Like, listening back now, I can definitely see the appeal of, of this record and Beggars. And they are ones that... This is we've talked about this before. This is the trick where it's like, okay, trying to get into a record by a band that you love that you've never been able to get into always for me brings up the problem of, yeah, but I just want to go listen to these other records. For sure. <laughs> you know? So but uh what were your were you was this one you ever got into or was it also kind of in that window of not following along? Sort yeah. Of? I yeah, I don't really know any of this album. Um when you mentioned we're gonna be talking about them, I had gone through each album to even just kind of skip through and just see, you know, yeah. if there was something that caught my ear. And when I went to this one, I kind of skipped through and kind of listened to a few. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, it's thrice, you know, it's their eight, eighth album. Yeah. Um, I kind of get what they're going for, but, you know, I, I didn't give it a whole lot of time and there wasn't really anything that really caught my ear. And so yeah. I just kind of moved on to the next. Well, I mean, we I didn't pick a song off that one, so... We will move on to the next, which is To Be Everywhere is To Be Nowhere, their ninth studio album released in May of 2016 on Vagrant Records. Uh, This, I think, is interesting. So in 2012, so after Major Minor, the band decided to go on hiatus while working on other projects that they had going on. And it wasn't until Dustin and Tepe went to a brand new concert that they decided to get back together. So I'm curious what, like... Yeah, what the conversation was there, what happened, and they're just like, let's do this. But, I mean, one of the things, I guess, that helped bring the band back together was the advancement in recording technologies. They no longer all lived near each other for the most part, but they were able to still write and record demos thanks to technologies that weren't really as readily available when they first went on hiatus. So, uh, you know, they were kind of able to take, and I, I believe they still kind of have this approach, but a more relaxed approach to being a band, like... As far as touring is concerned, they're more selective on on tours and you know dates and lengths and stuff like that. And when it comes to writing and and putting out new stuff, like just obviously not having to all be in the same place at the same time to do it, but to be able to still work together. Um, this record as a whole features a lot more politically charged lyrics than the releases of their past. At least that's kind of what I find in listening to it, and it's what brought me back to Thrice. Um, so you had mentioned kind of the intersection with Todd earlier with the artist in the ambulance, this was the record he wanted to talk about. And I was kind of like, at that time I was like, Oh man, like thrice they, you know, they kind of went downhill after really after Visu for me. And he's like, no dude, you have to listen to this record. And 
so after we recorded the artist in the ambulance episode years ago, um, that led to you eventually, you know, being on the show where you are now, saving, saving, growing up punk. Actually, <laughs> it was music to my peers back then. But anyway, um, after I was done recording that episode with him, I listened to this record, and holy crap, yeah, I was I've been wanting to do an episode on this record since then. And I debated like starting a series of episodes that was going to be titled something like I was wrong or whatever. And it was just like going back and visiting albums that either I didn't like the first time I heard it or an album I I just didn't check out because I figured, you know, the band's done their thing, whatever sort of thing. But this record absolutely um, is fantastic. And I know when you sent the songs that you were picking, you had one off this one. And I think there was a comment. I was like, we're just going to pick off the same albums. And you made a comment along the lines of like, Oh, well, it's the only obvious choices or something along those lines. So what's, uh, what's your relationship with this record? Well, yeah, similar to you, you know, I, I think, yeah, when I saw they were coming back, I don't know if they alluded to, you know, writing more of a rock album or if there was some song clips or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it definitely intrigued me. And, uh, yeah, like there's, it does go back to more of a rock sound. You know, there's parts where it is a bit heavier I mean, it's nowhere near still a thrice that I love. Like, again, it's a lot more kind of rhythm guitar driven, I feel like, than, you know, technical kind of playing, Um, which is fine. I mean, they're now nine albums in. They're they're long past the kind of riffy style of guitar writing. Um, But, yeah, you know, it's the the song I picked, uh, Blood on the Sand. Um, Yeah, like it. Jumping it. Jumping oh, ahead. sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get there. Okay, but you can. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So as a whole, yeah, it's still not an album that like I find myself going back to time and time again. But when I do, it's like okay, I'm glad there's you know a newer thrice album that that I can get into. Kind of gives me hope that like not that they're ever gonna go back to what it was, but still like okay, maybe this is a yeah. band I can still keep up with and enjoy. Yeah. I find with this record, things are very, like you talked about the guitar playing. I find like they're heavy, but they're also wide open. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but like tech, like technical riffs are great and they can obviously play those things. But I just find like with this record, it just, they, they allow the music is a lot, is kind of more simple and it really allows a lot of what they're trying to convey through the songs to kind of come through um, for me. And it, it definitely sounds obviously different than the artist in the ambulance. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not that, but uh, it is on its own, like a fantastic record. So the first song is actually the first song that we're going to talk about. It's hurricane. <laughs> Oh, 
It's a song about basically kind of like good things coming to an end. Kind of it's the verses are written as a conversation between two people. Uh, I think they're supposed to be like a couple or whatever that are preparing for an incoming hurricane. And the chorus hits hard and is supposed to represent that hurricane. Like it, the verses are, you know, the quiet, loud dynamic again, where it's quiet on the verses. But when it hits, it isn't just like, oh, we turned the distortion on. It literally just like it hits so hard I find. And that's, it's a like in that slowness that they kind of fall into on this record where like the tempos are slowed down a little yeah. bit. I think it kind of really plays in, especially on this song. Um, there was a short period of time actually <laughs> with this song where I decided I wanted to learn how to play drums. And this was one where I'd play like a, a sloppy watered down version of this song because I love those, I guess like fills or the drum pattern or whatever on the the chorus where it's just like bop 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 like it just does that sort of thing and then when it gets to like the the bridge or whatever it kind of I I feel like it slows down even a little bit more and just gets super huge and like the whole song just feels like the world is ending I find when I listen to it like yeah. it just is like when I 
if I were to close my eyes and picture, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Road. Did you ever see that movie? Uh, no. It was about, it was a, it was like a post-apocalyptic film, and it's about this guy and this young boy. Oh, uh, I can picture the cover of it. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, the cover is literally them walking down this road, right? Yeah. And if I recall, they're like trying to get to like the West Coast or whatever, and I can't remember if it's the classic like, um, oh, you know, well, things there's a place where things are okay and so they're trying to get there sort of thing right. i believe when they get there things aren't okay but um it's just a really heavy but just like i just picture that with this song just everything's like gray and dreary and nothing is you know is good is good anymore anyway but um as far as the song is concerned dustin said thrice being a heavier kind of band and me being a bit drawn to the bigger issues of life in general all that gravitates a lot of times towards writing pretty weighty, heavy lyrics. Uh, to be everywhere is to be nowhere was no exception. I'm listening to it with everything uh, going on, and there's just this weight and heaviness to it. Hurricane is a good example of my trying to find something that fits there. The beauty and calm of the verses slamming into this huge thing, and I'm trying to find something that works with that, and I end up writing something where I end up questioning why all these beautiful moments in time are always shattered by something because that's what the music feels like it's doing mm. like and it's a hundred percent true yeah like, when those choruses come in and ugh, i could talk about this song for a while but what are your thoughts on the song hurricane yeah well i don't know if i can make it sound any better than uh than what he said there um yeah like it's it's definitely kind of has almost kind of like a droney feel to it like it's a bit slower and yeah, it yeah. has that kind of heaviness to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very intriguing song for sure. There's a lot to kind of take away and wrestle with this one. Yeah. Um, that slowness, I think, is one of the things that attracted me to it to try and learn how to play it on drums when I was first. Because I'm like, okay, everything kind of has its place, right? And then it's got this kind of like cool little thing that I can figure out and make me feel like I'm doing something. But um, yeah, man, this song... The first time I heard it, I was like, okay, I'm listening to this record. It's got my attention. Uh, the next song is Blood on the Sand.
as well be a song was first released dustin kensry said this he said after watching a year of fear make people do terrible things and now on the precipice of more of the same this song is an anthem for anyone that's had enough of it um and again this song hits so hard whether it's the music or the lyrics or even just how it's sung it reminds me of what could have been if bruce springsteen had actually found himself in the hardcore scene as opposed to, or being influenced by hardcore bands as opposed to what he became Mm. and, you know, being influenced by like Bob Dylan and stuff like that. Because lyrically for me, it feels like a Bruce Springsteen Springsteen song. And then, you know, when he's singing, uh, what is it? The blood on the sand. The gun in my hand or there may as well be. May as well be. Yeah. Like just that there's something about those lyrics that, um, that remind me of, of Bruce Springsteen. And he's also not shying away from confrontation in this song. He says, we panic at the sight of different colored skin and we've got a plan to justify each mess we're in. But I've seen too much of this fear and hate. I've had enough and I'm not afraid to take a stand to make it right. This has to end. Uh, Yeah, like he, this whole record, I feel like he is just laying it down thick. (laughs) Yeah. This was, this was your pick. So why was, why did this song make your list uh, considering, you know, Thrice was you know, a band that you hadn't really listened to for a number of years before this record. Yeah, well, this this song stood out, like, when it first came out, I was always drawn to it. I mean, it, it's catchy, not in, like, a poppy sense or anything, but, um, yeah, I mean, in that line I just said about Gun in the Sand, or uh, Blood in the Sand, Gun in My Head, it may as well be, that just yeah. always gets stuck in my head. Like, it's such a kind of catchy way to to say that. And, uh, yeah, like, I've, I've got this song on a mix CD in my van, so it's definitely the song I've listened to the most times. And yeah. uh yeah, just kind of a, a cool different thrice song. It's well it's an interesting kind of like structure choice. Not maybe not structure, but that cause that chorus, even though he's singing something that's like he's fed up with, you know, being a victim of fear basically and letting that affect how he's viewing and treating people and you know, events in the world. But at the same point, musically and melodically it's really upbeat, right? Like yeah, it's just like yeah, for sure along. it is. Right? Yeah. Like it's just so well, that's why I liked it too because it kind of yeah. keeps the song moving versus um, Hurricane yeah. that's a lot more kind of you yeah, know yeah. dragging you around. This one kind of keeps you going a little. Sure thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that brings us to Palms, their 10th studio album released in September of 2018 on Epitaph. Uh, and if I've learned anything about Thrice, I've kind of said this one a few times now over the years, it's that uh, when they release something, it always has to grow on me. Like going back to The Artist in the Ambulance, the first time I heard it, I didn't immediately love it, right? Like it's something that had to grow on me. Uh, and this is one of those records too. But on almost every one of their releases, whether I listened on day one or years down the road, I've had to grow to love it. Uh, their songs just have so much depth, both musically and lyrically, and there really is no shortage of things to discover with each and every record, this one included. Um, this was the first one in a while that I was like, okay, Thrice has a new record coming out, and I listened to the singles ahead of time. 
And initially when I heard it, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, okay. But now that I've listened to it over a number of times, I do really enjoy this record. But was it one that like uh, that you've been able to get into over the years, or is it kind of a more of the same for you? Yeah. So like I had said on, on their last record where I was like, okay, maybe Thrice is kind of back to a place where I can enjoy it. This album kind of killed that spark for me. Most, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the production is pretty raw on this like sometimes i'm listening yeah. i'm like are they recording in like the back of a semi truck on the highway or something like <laughs> i don't right. know it was just it threw me off and so yeah like you i think i've mentioned this before i don't do well with albums that i need to like keep going back to to like yeah. almost try convince myself that i'm gonna like it because 90 yeah. percent of the time if not more if I don't like it right away, I'm just not going to like it. Like, there's few albums right. where I've gone back and be like, oh, okay, I really do like this. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't have a lot of great insight on this one. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, 10 albums, which is just crazy. And, well, and on top of that, 10 albums with the same lineup as far as Yeah, I which tell. is incredible. Like, that is absolutely incredible. Like, yeah. we're talking over 20 years now that this band's been – I mean, obviously they had a bit of a – arrest in there but um well and interesting yeah. that's on epitaph too that's not necessarily yeah. i mean it's a big label they've got lots of bands that have grown in their yeah. sound and stuff on there but you know going from was was the last one on vagrant or what was yeah uh, the last couple before this one were on vagrant okay and this one was on epitaph yeah it is i mean it is a bit of a change for sure and i didn't look into why the label changed or if they just went hey here's a place offering to put out our music so sure yeah i mean it's probably um, the biggest you know indie label so to speak that they could be yeah. on and so maybe i guess I mean, Va yeah vagrant's pretty pretty good too um yeah but i mean the song that i picked off this record was the gray Soul, 
actually just coming to realization and acceptance of what his faith actually looks like. Uh, I think he's singing about things the church and churchgoers can struggle with, that life isn't black and white. You know, oftentimes, not even just in church, but just oftentimes in life, people can go, I've got my ways and I'm set in my ways. And so if your ways are not the same as my ways, well, we disagree. Right. And uh, I think here he's singing about moving away from the black and white thinking and accepting that life is full of way more gray areas uh, that he'd been taught to believe. And he's accepting that leaning into the gray will ultimately, this is what I find interesting, will ultimately open up his ability to love others regardless of where they stand. And uh, I could probably like, when this song came out, it hit me at such a point in my life where I was like, 100% yes. Like lyrically, this might be one of Thrice's songs that is like, just connects the most personally with me. And so I could probably quote the whole song, but I'll, instead I'll just quote the first vor- verse, the pre-chorus and the chorus. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a time when I tried to hold the ocean in my fist, when I mistook the language for the light, there was a light, uh, there was a tightness that gripped my soul and bubbled at my wrists and choked me within inches of my life. But now I'm letting go and I can finally breathe and my hands are open, reaching out. I'm learning how to live with doubt. I'm learning how to lean into the gray. And there's just something about about that where, you know, I love the line where he says, I'm learning how to live with doubt. Like, we don't have to know all of the answers, yet I but, feel yeah. like that's a thing where it's like sometimes there's that pressure to, you have to know, you you have to have an opinion on this and your opinion has to be right and you have to be researched in this and researched in that and you have to think this way and that way. And it's like, is it ever okay to just be like, like I even think about this with parenting sometimes. So just oh, say, yeah. you know what? I don't know. You know, like I I don't know the answer to that question or what we should do here. And just like being able to kind of understand and, and be okay with that. But um yeah, this is a song that I absolutely love. It doesn't necessarily paint the rest of the album for me. Again, like with a couple of the other ones, like this is one where I do have to when when I talk about an album growing on me. I won't just, if I listen to something and I just don't like it, I'm not going to like it. But if there's something in there that hooks me, even if it's like one little thing that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Or if it's just one song where I'm like, that's a good song, um, you know, that'll kind of keep bringing me back. If I just completely dislike something, you know, I'm gonna be like, oh, whatever, pass on that, right? I, I won't force myself to listen to something to try and like it. But um, some of these Thrice albums, I think there are just, there's a little bit more 
work that has to go into it. Yeah. If that makes sense. But in for me, that's in a good way. I like that kind of challenge a little bit. But yeah, if it was just like putting it on and I just didn't like it, well then I'll just pass, you know. But what uh what are your thoughts on this song? I put it on, I didn't like it, pass. <laughs> I like, there you go. The solid notes. Sorry, Thrace solid lovers. Uh, I'm interested that, that was to, interesting. to see what I was just on their Instagram today and looking at all the pictures yeah. they're posting from recordings. So I, I, oh, there's yeah. still a band I'm curious about. Like I'll always yeah. still check them out. So again, it's yeah. not an insult or a slight to them. It's just not for me, but still a super cool band. Like they've been mm. one of those bands that have been able to, you know, shift their sound, you know, take a hiatus, come back, do other things. And still just have so much kind of integrity to their sound and the band. You know, yeah. they haven't, you know, like gone super mainstream or, you know, different avenues that some bands do after this long. And yeah. so I'll I'll always like them, kind of regardless yeah. of if, if I really listen to a lot of their newer music. But so. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair. Um, but, yeah, that'll, I think, wrap wrap it up for this episode so go follow us on social media at growing punk pod on twitter and instagram um you can find us at growingpunkpod.com wherever of course you're listening to this share it rate review all that good stuff but yeah that'll do it so uh goodbye